So I'm delighted to be with you today to talk about harnessing the success energy equation to get shit done uh, with Michelle Cedarberg. I was introduced to Michelle by a mutual connection as a speaker and author that I needed to connect with. And I'm sure glad I did. Michelle brings a wealth of experience, energy, and passion to a topic that we all need more help with, which is regaining focus and maximizing or recharging our energy in this crazy world. Uh, it's been crazy with the fourth wave of the pandemic, and many of us feel like we're running on fumes. So I'm delighted that Michelle can share some tips and tools and best practices for us uh, to help regain our energy. And Michelle is a certified speaking professional who has entertained all over uh, North America with humorous messages and empowers people to get energized for success and get more done. She's an on-demand speaker, author, coach, consultant, and uh, she really believes that it's physical, mental, and emotional capacity that we each have within us, and we need to harness so that we can get, get clarity, confidence, and succeed in our work and lives. Michelle has a master's of kinesiology, a BA in psychology, and many more specializations. Uh, she's a co-active professional life coach um, and many other things, and an author of a book that I have in my hand called the success energy equation and michelle has it with her as well and i'm delighted to say this was an awesome very very informative read packed of packed full of great information stories examples and i'm going to start this interview by asking you michelle uh what led you to write this book and tell us a little bit about it yeah, thanks, Laura. And thanks for having me on. I'm just super excited to have this conversation today. Um, I, it, interestingly enough, I finished writing the book in January of 2020 before the world shut down. And I then had all this extra time to, you know, be very, very diligent with the editing process and really figure out how I wanted it to finish. And uh, as I was doing that, I realized, you know, this book actually provides a little bit of a, a recharge for people, you know, navigating this crazy pandemic that we've been, you know, dealing with for the last 17, 18 months. Um, I I started it several years ago, to be fair. I mean, I'm not the fastest writer, but uh, had to harness my own energy for that. But it's really based on a lot of what I speak about around resilience and setting goals and believing in yourself and having the discipline to do the work. And I wanted to put all of that together into what I call my success energy equation. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, but it's a labor of love for sure. That's amazing. And who should read this book? Who did you mean uh, for this book to, to help in the world? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I could say that everybody who's busy, you know, needs to get a little success energy, but I, the people that I had in mind when I was writing this was, but the people that are out there that are you know hitting it hard and and doing great things and you know feeling like if i could just have a little bit more energy and we often put our self-care to the side because we're busy mm -hmm. changing the world um i want i want busy stretched and stre stressed out individuals to recognize how how little it takes to get a lot more out of your physical body and the brilliant mind in it because you know this is where all of the creativity and ideas and productivity come from. So, you know, it's that's kind of my group. Hardworking, already successful, or wanting to be slightly more successful, busy, stretch, stress people who don't think they have the time 
but absolutely need to read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like uh, myself and a lot of people who are watching and listening to this podcast. uh, It's such an important topic for many of us, if not all of us. So how do you think the pandemic has impacted people's energy levels? Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, we all have to just think back to March of 2020 when the world shut down and the 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 shock, the surprise, the stress that many of us had to face in that instant, realizing how am I going to pivot? That's the only time I'm going to use that word. But that 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 shift causes this mental drain, mental energy drain in all of us. And then we realize we're moving less because we're not leaving our homes. And so our physical activity reduced and our energy drained with that. Our connections with people changed from in-person to screen or telephone or not seeing loved ones for long stretches of time. And we gain energy from personal connections. So there's all sorts of ways that the, you know, stress is of course a big energy drainer. So, you know, all of those things combined has made it a roller coaster of highs and lows and, and energy drains in the last uh, almost two years. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> it has. And yeah, I've seen both both extremes. I've seen some people, especially during the lockdown periods where they actually regained better sleep and, you know, more downtime, less of a busy life. And then with all the ups and downs, I would say now it's um, more stressful for more people than I've seen it at any time yeah. during the pandemic, during this fourth wave. Would you agree? Yeah. You do raise a good point, though, because, I mean, it went one of two ways for people when we went into lockdown. Some people had to uh, juggle so many balls with, you know, taking care of their parents who might be in long term care or schooling their kids at their kitchen table and trying to work from a, a, you know, less than optimal uh, computer setup at home or whatever it might be. So they had less time and weren't able to get their exercise in. And then others said, this is my opportunity to reclaim my health and my energy uh, and to to do good things. I think that what happened, you know, once we were in it for a year or more, is people started to feel that mental and emotional, when is this going to be over kind of energy? Mm -hmm. And that stress, I think no matter how fit and healthy you are can start to really weigh you down. I certainly went through that myself, you know, back in March and April where I felt this sense of, you know, languishing where I was just Mm -hmm. blah and I'm an energetic person. So it was, it was a little bit of a surprising thing to, to go through myself. And Adam Grant, one of my idols in my field of organizational psychology, he did a great article on languishing. And I feel, yeah, that's very much an experience many of us have had. Um, So speaking of these uncertain times, uh, what's your top advice for people navigating the ongoing uncertainty? That's a great question. And I love that Adam Grant article as well. I just gave a name for how I was feeling. It's like, it's okay. I'm going to be okay. Uh, One of the things that I've really been talking with my coaching clients about and with my audiences about is this, uh, you know, this almost this feeling of hopelessness we have because COVID keeps moving the finish line. And so we're feeling this, oh, we're almost free. And then, oh, no, they're, you know, they're drawing it back again. We've got more restrictions. So what I, one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give to anybody right now is, is, to, is to stop asking when are we going to get to the finish line and start asking yourself, what do I need to do in order to keep going? We don't have any control over when the pandemic's going to end, but we do have so much control over how we take care of ourselves and our energy and our 
human capacity so that we can, you know, take that, that, you know, one more step and to go through one more day and to deal with one more letdown. You know, we're, we're, we're far more resilient than we give ourselves credit for if we just pay attention to what we need. Agreed. Yes, because it is a moving target that our days and our weeks are within our control for the most part, but they are within our control, right? Um, and building that energy and capacity is so important. So you really talk a lot in your book about people pursuing their passions and making time for what's important to them um, and, and career, right? Their, their career, their their life. Um, so what are the biggest challenges that hold people back from pursuing their passion or what they're fully capable of, Michelle? Oh, life. <laughs> I think that, you know, if you ask anybody why they aren't doing the things that they want to do, they'll, they'll come up with the initial, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the motivation. Um, and a lot of the times, I think that that can be true because we're busy and we're so busy you know, trying to keep all the juggling balls in the air and deal with all of the things that are coming at us, that we autopilot our way through life and, and forget to stop and ask ourselves, am I, I, am I doing the right work on the right things? Am I actually on a path that inspires me? We, we need to every now and then stop and check in and ask, what do I want? You know, what do I really want separate from everybody else? And I think that, that, lack of clarity in goals or lack of clarity in, you know, in what fires you up or gives you uh, uh, your vision for the future, if you will, can be what kind of truly stops us. Because I, I do believe that when we tap into something that is right for us, it'll be hard to stop, you know, taking steps forward if it's the right version of your goal, let's just say. Yeah. And then won't. time, energy, and motivation suddenly become available. <laughs> right. So time, energy, and motivation, are they limited or unlimited resources? I think energy is, is, is unlimited, you know, to a degree, if we do the right things. Um, and motivation, you know, that, that's also higher when we take care of our physical, mental, emotional uh, health. I, I think, and if you set the right goals, I mean, this is part of my success energy equation. If you set the right goals, you're going to be more energized to do the work. Right. So I, I love that energy is a renewable resource. And I think in your book, you gave a good analogy about that, because I think sometimes humans just think they're, they're like computers that you can leave on all day and all night, and we just keep going and going. And, and what was your analogy about recharging energy in your book? Don't exercise if you don't get enough sleep, if you eat all the wrong foods, if you smoke, if you drink too much, if you uh, you know, have low life balance and high stress, you can still experience high levels of success. Many people do it. And many of your listeners might be thinking, oh, thank goodness. Right? <laughs> but the, the truth that, that that is the absolute truth, because the physical body is amazingly resilient. The reality is that we will not be able to operate at our full potential, and it will not come without a cost over time to ourselves, to our health, to uh, the productivity that we bring to our work every single day. And so, while we are able to push through and not, uh, you know, tap into our energy, uh, into those renewable resource energy possibilities, um, you know, we're always going to be better if we do even small steps to take care of the machinery, if you will. 
Okay, great. Thank you for that. Now, one of your main messages is to seize the freaking day. <laughs> um, can you share some practical tips and tools to help people seize the day and make the most uh, out of what's handed to them in, in this life on a day-to-day -day yes, basis? Yes, the sole and yeah. only tattoo that I have, Carpe Freaking DM, seize the freaking day. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, this is kind of a personal one because I lost my dad when I was 17. He was killed in a workplace accident. And so uh, my twin sister and I, from a very young age, you know, decided, you know, like he's gone and he's up there watching over us, however you want to envision that. But we want to make sure we're, you know, making the most of it, you know, seizing the day because we're not promised tomorrow. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I without getting morose about it, I think that every day we just have to wake up and, and be grateful for the fact that we're on the upside of the dirt you know that we're mm -hmm. here and we've got possibilities i mean that's one thing from a more pragmatic standpoint if you start every single day with what i call first thing focus if you sit and just think what do i need for myself today in work what do i need my for myself personally you know what are the things that are going to help me get to the end of this day and feel good about what i've mm -hmm. accomplished we will often start our day by checking our emails and letting the outside world dictate our next actions instead of you know we check in with the world before we check in with ourselves and i think we need mm -hmm. to flip that to check in with ourselves before we check in with the world and just you know make make better decisions about how we want to use our time every single day isn't that so true especially people <laughs> and i remember you mentioning in this this in the book people that have their cell phone beside their bed and they reach for that first thing and I mean, I'm even guilty of I don't keep the cell phone there, but I have a Google home uh, thing that I ask about the Me world too. news or I say <laughs> yeah. news Alberta or news world or and then I get the whole data dump and I've barely woken up. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know that I do the same thing. I'm going to fully admit I have a Google home right next to my bed as well, um, but I, I would challenge you but that before you ask google how things are you just do a like a, a what i call a 90 second or two minute meditation to scan just lie there and, and you know how did i sleep and how am i feeling right now what am i hoping to get accomplished today you know what would make today a good day even if it's just those thoughts and breathing yourself into the day then i'm you know then check in with the world via google home now the thing is about checking in that way versus picking up the supercomputer is you're not getting pulled down the rabbit hole. But the devices that we carry around with us, these supercomputers are designed to hook the neural pathways in our brain the same way that gambling and addiction do. In your Google Home, you're not necessarily gonna get stuck down a rabbit hole, uh, you know, where it's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm gonna go look here now. It's like, oh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, shiny things. And we're gone into the abyss for several hours or using it for unproductive, you know, entry into the day. If you lie there and listen to the news for five minutes, I think that's far less uh, of a, a mental burden than using your phone as your first entry point into the day. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And you can keep your eyes closed, which is nice. <laughs> it's not a bad way to get into things because so, so often people will, the alarm will get off, will go off and they'll pick up their phones and they'll start scrolling and they've entered before their feet even hit the ground. They're in a low level state of stress. And I, I think we can do better. <laughs> no kidding. So throughout the pandemic, this whole seizing the day, have you seen people making some uh, 
life transitions and stuff to better seize the days and and use this as a pivot point in their lives? Yeah, I have a couple of uh, of well friends and clients who used it as an opportunity to to check in with their fitness goals, you know, to finally take the time to um, prioritize uh, exercise in a meaningful way. I have one friend that lost close to 25 pounds just because they started walking every day for as a sanity saver um, because they were, you know, in their homes and working from home and not, you know, feeling like their world had suddenly become smaller. Um, they, they really started to take advantage of afternoon walks, which I think is amazing. I have uh, another friend who um, finally started writing, finding the time to finish the book that they've been, you know, thinking about for many, many years. Um, yeah, I had one person actually who uh, <laughs> uh, ended their toxic relationship because they were living with them. And this is, you know, with no escape, yeah. they realized, okay, this is, you know, this is not working. And, and many could view that as a sad thing, but it was, it was very empowering for, for her. Um, and it took a lot of courage for sure. Yeah, no kidding, right? Really to say, do how do I really want to live post-pandemic and what can I do about it now? So I, I'm not surprised to hear that. I've seen that a lot with, with our clients as well. And good for you to be uh, doing what you're doing, Michelle, and motivating people to, to seize the day. And I love that you have a tattoo that says, uh, seize the day. Does it? Carpe, it says carpe freaking DM. So <laughs> that's awesome. it's uh, nor normally it's carpe DM to seize the day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Awesome. So how do you envision an ideal post-pandemic workplace? Because I do want to talk about work for a little bit, um, where people can thrive energy-wise in the work that they do. You know, it's a really good question. Uh, you know, the, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's taught us that we can work effectively from home um, and that, you know, people thrive in different work environments. And certainly there are some people that have been chomping at the bit to get back into the offices and the social elements and the um, routine of exiting the home. And, and equally, there are people who have found, wow, I'm getting more better work done working at home, and I feel like I have a better work-life balance. And I think that that really forward-thinking organizations will, will give people the option to be where they are, are at their best, to provide some sort of a hybrid opportunity, because productivity is going to be very different for individuals. It's, a, it's such an interesting time, and you know, I can't imagine if the pandemic had happened you know, in 2005, when we didn't have the technology that oh. we've been able to use to connect us, it's, it, we've learned that we can do this. Um, and I think that we should not necessarily be thinking about going back to the way things were. I think things have yeah. changed some for the good, uh, you know, moving forward from this point. So how might we use what we've learned in the pandemic to create that, you know, ideal work environment for individuals? Because we are all different in how we do our best work. Agree. And that's music to my ears. And when you think of traditional workplaces where maybe there's a cubicle land and everyone is, is working at the office and they're sitting in their cars commuting, how do you think that has impacted people's energy in the past? And what are the drawbacks of, of that to energy? Well, I, I mean, depending on how long your commute is and, you know, the average North American spends you know, 26 minutes in their commute. <laughs> That's just, a, you know, 
average number, but that means you're in your car an hour a day, uh, you know, trapped, not able to do other things like exercise or spend time with your family or uh, spend time in, you know, in your garden or doing some other thing that you love. Um, I, th I, I think that, that that in and of itself is a big energy drain. Um, that being said, you know, there was an interesting phenomenon, you know, in the early days of lockdown, whereby people were experiencing, you know, kind of early burnout because they didn't have their commute, um, because they would go straight from breakfast table to, you know, office without that transition time, uh, mm -hmm. if you will. And so I think that we need to honor that as well and get creative. I know some organizations, uh, you know, mandated their employees to schedule in that uh, that transition time, a 45-minute commute in the morning to, to exercise or meditate or read or do whatever you might like mm -hmm. to do, which I think is uh, wildly fantastic. <laughs> Same with at the end of the day, right? Having some sort of ritual or exercise or even going for a walk around the block to reset your mind from work to Home. Yeah, I've, I've been telling a lot of my audiences and clients, walk yourself to work in the morning, head out the front door, maybe it's two blocks, maybe it's three, maybe it's one. But when you come back in, that's your transition to now start work and do that again at the end of the day, because it is very, the, the, the lines between work and life have been so blurred yeah. in the last 17 months that people are experiencing burnout because they don't have those moments of downtime to walk to get a coffee or walk to get lunch or uh, walk from the parking lot to their car to drive home or to drive home. It's all, you know, they come out of their office and, you know, the kids need help with the homework or dinner needs to start getting made or you got to go change the laundry or somebody's, you know, Amazon has delivered another package, you know, we're just go, go, go. So we need to recognize those little opportunities to transition uh, in a healthy way. Absolutely. Really, really well put. And I have news for you. It's 18 months. It's not 17. We're a year and a half. Flies, okay? <laughs> flies, um, yeah. So anything else in your book that when you get when you talk about your book or you speak to audiences on it, any other tips that really rise to the top of what you'd want to share as key takeaways? You know, my background is as a you know kinesiologist and a health expert and and you know I, I'd like to say, I'd like to say that my favorite chapters are the ones that talk about energy but my favorite chapter in the book is the book on belief and it's about you know uh, how to build belief in yourself and your goals. Um, if there's any message I would continue to tell any of my audiences or your listeners or my clients is we are so much more resilient and capable than we give ourselves credit for. And it has been a heck of a ride these last 18 months. And I think that part of what we need to do is give ourselves a pat on the back for all that we have been able to navigate. It's been a challenging time. And you know, a lot of us will go to that place of, oh, I didn't do as well as I could have, or I should have done more instead of looking at that body of accomplishments that you've piled up um, that you might not think are accomplishments, but they actually are. I, I say I think that we need to be kinder and gentler to ourselves, um, and that's why I like that chapter so much because it gives uh, readers such a you know good opportunity to check in and and you know write down or note all the awesome things about themselves. I think we need to do that more often. <laughs> Didn't you give the example of the awesome jar? Someone had an awesome yeah. jar. Can you explain that because that was really yeah. cool. 
I, I it was several years ago where I sent a kind of end of year message to all of my coaching clients saying, you know, what are you proud of? What are some of the accomplishments that you really want to acknowledge for yourself this year? And one of my clients, you know, spoke to me in our next session, basically saying, you know, I know that there was a lot of accomplishments, but I don't remember any of them because none of them were really gigantic. And so she said, I started an awesome jar. So it was her idea. I will, you know, give full credit to this individual. Um, and she put a jar in her office and, you know, made a fun label. I think it was a big pickle jar, a fun label saying awesome jar. And anytime anything that she was proud of or anything that was good or any kudos that she got, she'd write it on a piece of paper with the date and toss it in the awesome jar just to Aww. have that little reminder. So if she was having a a low day, she'd reach into the jar and read a couple and, and it would lift her spirits. And, and at the end of the year, she could see that the body of work that had stacked up in all of these awesome little moments. Um, I, I, I don't like the, um, the saying, go big or go home, because so often we're changing the world in small daily steps. And, and we have to remind ourselves of that. And, you know, I often say, you know, if you stop now and kind of look back you know, half a year to the beginning of the pandemic, two years ago, to all of the things that you've accomplished, you, you're probably going to be quite astonished and proud of yourself. And I, I, I don't think we do that enough. We're often looking at the things we didn't do instead of the body of work that we've accomplished. Yeah, I totally can relate to that. Because like I said earlier, there's so many things I don't get done in any given day. And it's, but there are so many things I do and just uh, being kinder to myself. Yes. on that. So thank you for that. And thank you for all your tips and for taking the time to write this book. I mean, it is packed with great information. Uh, you've done a you wonderful, it. it's also wonderful available job. as an audible if people want to listen to right. it, if they're too busy, right? I love audible. I have a 26 minute commute myself. So I love audible for that reason. So thank you so much, uh, Michelle. And I look really forward to discussing on part two of this podcast uh, with you in a couple of weeks. And in the meantime, I hope you stay well. You as well. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.